Here is the host of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast, Connor Cooper. And Connor, your friends welcome you back, man. First of all, I would like to thank the many, many fictional friends are out there who wrote cards to me whilst I was down. Secondly, I would like to thank the World Wildlife Foundation for not suing my podcast for having the acronym WWF, an incredibly recognized acronym. Now, I know that Wrestling With Fiction podcast episode 30 is coming up. We all know it, but I know that this could not be stopped by God, by Jesus, and by divine intervention. Heath Slater. I don't have to say a lot more to tell you about my feelings about Heath Slater. Underutilized, undervalued, and underappreciated. We all know hard times because of this man. Hard times are when you pin the world heavyweight champion and you're forced to the bottom of the card, forced to wear a yellow t-shirt with an N in the middle. Hard times are when you got a wife and you got kids and you need this job. And all they say to you is that, I don't give a about your kids. Hard times are when you're walking across the country, across the entire world. And you're working for 10 years, 10 years, and they give you a tag title run, kick you to the curb, and force you to eat nothing but cheese and crackers with your loving wife and family. That's hard times. And Heath, you're an example of hard times deserving better. Hard times deserving more. So I'm gonna do my part, Heath. I'm gonna show that we are more than just fans of the core. We are more than just fans of the Nexus. We are fans of Heath Slater! (sighs) me, that was a lot of shouting. On this week's episode of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast, we'll be discussing just one man. He's a one-man band. It's Heath Slater. One of my thoughts on his current booking that he has an Impact Wrestling. Do I think he should have had an IC title run? And where on earth would he have gone? So for now, tell your friends. Tell your friendliest friends. Tell them all about this new and exciting edition of the Wrestling With Fiction Podcast! Ladies, gentlemen, and ladies, gentlemen, my fictional friends, welcome to the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. My name is Connor, and on this episode, I'm quite literally a one-man band, because we are talking about Heath Slater, a guy who I think is so undervalued, I think, particularly for his last four years of his career in WWE. That's kind of the reason that I'm spawning this episode to begin with. He's a guy who I didn't really feel got his just due in the late end of his WWE career. I look back at his sort of babyface run, I guess if you want to call it that, when he suddenly became the free agent that neither SmackDown or Raw really wanted. You got that really fun storyline with him, like trying to get onto SmackDown or get onto Raw, where he got beat up by Brock Lesnar, 
beat up by gender, then formed an oddball tag team with Rhino that got over? Like, there's so many weird things and weird gimmicks that Heath Slater's had that I feel could have really been expanded on more. Like, you look at his introduction from NXT, where he beat the world heavyweight champion Chris Jericho. Let's let's not fuss about here. He beat the world heavyweight champion. Then he just became a nothing player in the Nexus. Which, you know what, to be fair, the Nexus, pretty damn good for a bit until beat up by John Cena. Then he was in the core. The core. <laughs> and then he started Freeman Band for a bit. Of course, there was that odd Slater Gator, which sort of happened. And we got the Social Outcasts. You remember the Social Outcasts? I do. Underrated WWE theme. But yeah, if you go through his entire career, he he never really had a chance to shine as a singles guy. And I think that's incredibly undeserved. Particularly for the work that he put in. Probably one of the best, like, comedy characters they've had. Particularly in the last, sort of, say, like, ten years. Like, maybe not to the extent that they valued Santino Morella. But I think there's a lot more you could have done with Heath. Particularly, like, his last four years as a babyface. The first time that we really had him as a face. And honestly, probably the most likeable he was. I think that was when people really started to appreciate... Heath Slater as a character. So, let, let's get into the process of what I'm thinking for what do we do with Heath Slater. So a couple ground rules here. This is gonna be his free agent storyline bit. So think 2016 to 2018. That's where I think I'm gonna mostly be basing this booking around. And of course with it, I gotta tell you my process, my thoughts. And the only way I can tell you my thoughts is through a lovely little bit of tagline work. If you don't know what the tagline is, it is a segment on this podcast where I summarize to you what I'm going to do with Heath Slater in about 30 words or less. And it's kind of presented like, you know, a brief summary, a logline. And if you don't know what either of those are... Think of, like, the random, like, stuff that you see on Netflix when you look at a television show and it tells you what it's about. So that's what we're doing. So, without further ado, I need to ask myself who is editing this podcast to cue the music, future me! So this is going to go a little bit more differently than a lot of the other ones that we've done before. A lot of these have been about current wrestlers in the WWE. This is probably one of the very few since this segment's been introduced that we're covering something from the past. So, I need to ask myself particularly, what do we know about Heath Slater throughout his entire WWE run? And, ironically, this comes right near the end of his run. That he's got kids! And he needs this job! Now, WWE already kind of did that story. So, the problem with it is, they didn't really expand upon it upon his tag title victory. So you know what? We've got plenty of fun dynamics to use with Heath Slater. His family, 
Maybe he upgrades his trailer park. Maybe, just maybe, he actually gets rich. Because he's winning matches. What a concept. So we have a lot to play with that can be kind of very good babyface qualities. Particularly for that era of 2016-2018 where they just made him an absolute adorable redneck. I think you can do a lot with that. Particularly like all of his fun segments he had with Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. So, we're gonna keep it kind of in that character range. So, my pitch to you, which is gonna summarize Heath Slater's character throughout all of these bookings, is that for the sake of his wife Beulah and his seven, eight, maybe billion kids, a lone social outcast fends off professional athletes to provide for his family. I think that is a very good summary of Heath Slater. He's not the biggest guy, he's not the most athletic guy, he is your everyday average Joe. So much so that it's almost utterly surprising that he's in the WWE to a point where you've got a bloody good underdog babyface in your hands. One that has a lovable backstory, an incredibly lovable friendship with Rhino, which I think nobody expected, and a lot of very good elements that you can have heels exploit. Stuff that I think could be expanded upon or has already been featured on WWE television. So what does this leave us with with Heath Slater? We've got a babyface who's willing to provide for his family at any cost or at any stake. So, with that, I think there's a lot of very creative possibilities with this. But, if you have any other ideas for this, and you think that you could do this better, because trust me, you probably can, please tell me on Twitter at ConnorTheCooper, or tell me on Instagram at WrestlingWithFiction. I would absolutely love to hear your suggestions on where you would take Heath Slater. There's so much history with the guy. I think there's a lot you can do with him. So, without further ado, I think we should get to our very first feud. And I think this feud for Heath is one where he has come to play. Came to play, da 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 da. I feuded with Ziggler again and again. I came to play with the Miz. That's right, it's the Miz. Because let's be honest with ourselves, this is not just any ordinary Miz. This is 2016 Daniel Bryan promo Miz, the man that held the Intercontinental Title for I don't know how long, but goddamn it, he made it feel important. That is the Miz that we're talking about for this, because, god damn it, this was the Miz that made us all believe that we liked the Miz. And by god do I want to use him in a feud with Heath Slater. Two guys who, at that time, were two of the bright spots of SmackDown. Legitimately, two of the, like, biggest bright spots of SmackDown Live in that sort of 2016 era when the brand split first happened, was the storyline stuff with The Miz on Talking Smack after that whole thing, and then the stuff with 
freaking Heath Slater as a free agent that led to an eventual tag title run. That was some of the like most fun bits of booking that SmackDown had at the time. And yeah, you had these other bits like Dean Ambrose and Dolph Ziggler, which is kind of a creative feud to some respect. And you also had the Viper and the Family storyline and that whole stuff. But more importantly, this is the guy who I think Heath Slater should have got an icy title run with. I am, I am still upset that Heath Slater, during this period of time, never got an icy title run. Legitimately, something that I really wish he had when he lost the tag titles to Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. Sorry, Luke Harper and Randy Orton. They all held the titles at one point. Because, quite frankly, Heath Slater was so freaking over at this point, just trying to get a contract, and it was working. Like, all the stuff with, like, the kids and the family, and all the, like, random skits he had with, like, Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan, like, it, it was making Heath Slater look more important than he had looked in about three years up to that point. Let's remember who Heath Slater was associated with before the brand split. Uh, Curtis Axel, Adam Rose, Bo Dallas, and various other people. Hell, he had a tag team called Slater Gator with Titus O'Neil. What the heck was that? Like, this is probably the most, like, serious, ironically serious portrayal that Heath Slater's ever had. And that's saying something, because he was in the Nexus that he had as a singles guy. And quite frankly, I think he is the perfect opponent for The Miz. And I know what you're thinking if you're a wrestling historian, like everyone is as a wrestling fan. They had an IC title match on Raw in 2018, but that wasn't a feud with Heath Slater and The Miz. That was a feud between Dean Ambrose and The Miz, which is something that happened on both brands. We're going to keep it fresh here. We're going to keep it fresh on the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. Because Heath Slater is the perfect opposite to The Miz. You look at his lifestyle that The Miz portrayed as a character at that point. Hollywood superstar. Incredibly rich. Intercontinental champion. Ironically, the workhorse belt held by a guy who many people viewed was nothing other than the complete opposite of a workhorse. Heath Slater, I completely understand why you would view him as not being a workhorse in the ring. But as a character, he is absolutely probably the closest example on that roster at the time of being a workhorse. If we just go with the narrative that this man has had throughout his entire career up to 2016, he has been the guy who pretty much got an incredibly fantastic win against Chris Jericho on an episode of NXT. Then he was part of the Nexus, which eventually all fizzled out. He tried to keep relevant with the core, which didn't actually work out for him. Yeah, he picked up a tag title run here and there, but it didn't really result in anything significant. He was slowly fizzling out and becoming a joke of what he was before. He got beat up by legends in 2012. And don't get me wrong. Those were some freaking great segments for bringing back legends. And it shows like how reliable Heath Slater is. 
I think there's so much you can do with this type of character with Heath Slater. That he's gone from this absolute joke to a point where he has, like, a trailer park as his house with his wife Beulah and his multiple kids that we have all seen on television in his run-up to winning the SmackDown Tag Team Championships going up against The Miz, who I imagine, if they had a promo battle, would just completely berate the fact that he is supposed to be a WWE superstar. Someone who the WWE Universe is meant to look up to. But he's living in a trailer park, eating nothing but cheese and crackers and freaking pizza crusts. What part of that is a WWE superstar? That, I think, is what the feud would be about. It's about Heath trying to sort of prove that you don't have to be this sort of perfect Hollywood superstar to be an incredible performer in the WWE. He is a guy who I think you can get over as being that every man. Ironically, like at the beginning, like a Dusty Rhodes. Maybe not as serious as Dusty Rhodes, but to an extent, kind of in that identifiable category. For me, this is where Heath Slater should have went to after he lost the tag team titles with Rhino. Because there's a great story there with Heath Slater being the guy who nobody expects to win. Because even in his tag team title run that we had with him, he didn't win any of those matches. It was all because of Rhino. He never legitimately got a successful pinfall. And I know what you're thinking. What about the tag team match for the inaugural titles? No. Rhino Gord, Jay or Jimmy Uso. And then just chucked Heath Slater in there for the pin. Heath Slater, which it bugs me about that entire tag title run. And I loved that tag team. Was that Heath Slater never got a chance to prove that he was a great wrestler. And win the matches on his own. In fact, I'm pretty sure he took the fall when they lost the titles. So... You can completely use that in a story with The Miz. That he is just this trailer park hillbilly who can't even win a match without the help of a WWE legend. Just like how he needed the core to get a win. Just like he needed the Nexus to get a win. And even when he led his own group, he couldn't do anything. What makes The Miz think that Heath Slater is going to win the Intercontinental title. Personally, that's a very fun program that you can build to a WrestleMania, you can build it up to the Royal Rumble, just Heath Slater, just getting a little bit better, trying as hard as he can. Maybe you want to have a couple skits where he's at the trailer park, training with his wife Beulah and with the kids. Maybe he's doing curls with each kid on the side. <laughs> I don't know, stuff like that where you can just, really show the contrast between the two. And because The Miz was already presenting himself as this Hollywood superstar, it would be great if you get the opposite with Heath Slater. Then it all just sort of builds to this, you know, eventual win for Heath Slater. You know, maybe you can have a little bit of schmoz in there. You can have Maurice try and interfere and distract Heath. And maybe you can have Bueller out there, because I'm assuming she was a WWE extra. Also, just sort of like fend off Maurice. And you got this sort of ragged to riches story of Heath Slater finally like holding up the Intercontinental title. 
And you know how on SmackDown they used to have those like post victory promos? You could just have like Heath there, just, you know, crying in the ring with his kids. Because I think that's something that was missing with the tag title run was just him with his kids celebrating with the belts. I, I think that would be such a fun story. And I can't believe that WWE did not do more of him in a single capacity in that extent. Because I think that would have been an absolutely beautiful payoff that he went from one of the least value players in WWE where he wasn't even picked to eventually becoming the workhorse of WWE, your intercontinental champion, Heath Slater. And I, I think that just sounds bloody brilliant. So I'm going to go to my next one. I, I think I just, I, I blew my favorite one. I, I hate it. I, I blew my favorite one in the first segment. <laughs> so we're going to go to the next one. And I know that people aren't really going to expect this pick. Because it's it's a different route than him just going for the Intercontinental title. But it's one that you might think I'm sane. Or you might think that I've, so to speak, lost my own sanity. If you catch my drift. Bada, bada, da. Bada, da, da, da. Well, da, da. It's sanity. Yes, sanity. Now, I'm going to preface this. This isn't more specifically a feud with sanity at first. In fact, the first part of this whole idea is that Heath Slater joins the faction Sanity down in NXT. Now, I know what you're thinking there. That, that doesn't make any sense. Heath Slater joining Sanity, a group of people who wanted to just create chaos, destroy everything. That was kind of their shtick. Kind of coming off like they were sort of rioting against the machine or rage against the machine, if I want copyright. And you might be wondering how this would all come about. How I think they could have done this. So, first of all, we need to get our timeline straight here. Sanity debuted in NXT on the October 16th episode of NXT in 2016. Heath Slater and Rhino lost the tag team titles to Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, Luke Harper, whatever mix it was at the time, in December 2016. So this is a little bit after No Mercy, it was on an episode of SmackDown, and with it, I think... Whilst Heath Slater won a contract, I think this is, like, the one thing you can get to buy Heath Slater into NXT, and it would make sense. First of all, we've already established in the previous idea that he lost a ton before he won the tag team titles, and he didn't even pick up any wins. It was all Rhino. It was never Heath Slater. So, what better reason would it be for Heath Slater to have a loss of confidence. So much so that he's wondering if he can still provide for his family now that he's no longer the tag team champion. Because when you win belts, you have more money. And he bought a kiddie pool from what I remember. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think he did that. I think that was part of his thing. 
for he's I got kids I need this job so I think for that character at the time maybe you have Rhino kind of consoling Heath that it wasn't his fault that they lost the tag titles and that he could do so much more I believe in you Heath that the WWE universe believes in you but the problem is Heath doesn't believe in himself he doesn't believe in himself like he did back in 2012 when he beat Chris Jericho or when he was part of the Nexus or when he was part of the court, when he wanted to change WWE, that radical nature that pushed him to heights that he has never been able to reach seems to be gone. And so he, in this idea, goes back down to NXT where it all began, except now everything has drastically changed. He's, he's going back to find himself in this old yet new territory to him. This, this place filled with young up-and-coming talent. People who just want to get a shot at where he's at. So at this point, if I remember correctly, uh, the faction at the time for Sanity was Eric Young, Sawyer Fulton, the later Madman Fulton in NX, not NXT, Impact Wrestling. Which, by the way, I'm actually really enjoying Heath Slater's run in Impact Wrestling, but that I'm going on a tangent. Nikki Cross, and then they later introduce Killian Dane. And also there's Alexander Wolf, but I keep on thinking of him from Imperium. So, with that, we know that Sawyer Fulton's eventually going to leave. Killian Dane's eventually going to be added in. So, at this point, because thanks to the world of hindsight, we know that Sanity's eventually going to win the tag team titles. That's a cool thing. The North American Championship's going to be kind of presented soon before Sanity's called up because Killian Dane gets a shot. So, my idea for this is that Eric Young publicly goes to recruit Heath Slater to Sanity. Not because Heath Slater is this completely lost character. It's because... Heath Slater was part of the Nexus. He was part of the core. These incredibly radical factions that did everything to destroy WWE. Eric Young believes that he could use Heath Slater in that similar way. Because if you really think about it, Heath Slater's whole aesthetic is incredibly similar to Sanity's look. If you go back to his stuff before he joined Rhino... Like, with the classic sort of, like, grungy rock tights that he was wearing. It's very close. If you just slap a jacket on him that Sanity had, you're all set to go with him. Especially with the hair that he had at that point. I think that could work really well as an aesthetic. And you know what? It would freshen up Heath Slater for a bit. Put him in a tag team with Alexander Wolf. You call him the Sergeant of Sanity, Heath Slater. I, I really like the name, the Sergeant of Sanity. Where he's kind of your, he's kind of your wily veteran, your enforcer of sanity, kind of directing traffic when Eric Young isn't around. He's kind of your second in command, where he wants to bring just as much chaos so he can find himself in all of the ruckus, in all of the debris. Heath Slater will rise again. That is the story of Heath throughout sanity, when he helps eventually get the tag team titles, and eventually the North American title. Because I kind of believe that if you wanted Sanity to succeed, you kind of wanted them to have multiple belts other than just one for this story to work. So that all builds up. And I think you eventually build to 
Eric Young completely betraying Heath Slater with sanity, just completely beating the living S-word out of Heath. Just having him, like, get beat up in front of his wife and kids who have seen this new invigorated Heath Slater, this new radical Heath Slater that will do anything for his wife and kids. Get completely destroyed by Sanity, get kicked out the group. But he still keeps the moniker the Sergeant of Sanity. Because his goal throughout the rest of his run in NXT is to destroy Sanity. Because only he, he knows what he had to do to get in the mindset of the Nexus. He started with the Nexus and he saw it die. He started with the core, he watched it die. And now he's gonna kill Sanity. <laughs> so it starts out with your basic thing where he's taking out Alexander Wolf. You know, I'm imagining kind of a hardcore match for each of these things just because it's Sanity as a group. I kind of imagine they'd be hardcore guys. Build up to all those things. He has his matches with each member until he gets to Eric Young. And then when we get to Eric Young, you finally get the payoff of Heath Slater conquering all of Sanity, finding a new vigor and violent side that he never had before, where he overcomes his own demons of not being that radical person in the Nexus that they needed, not being the guy in the core that really could have helped elevate the group. He becomes his own man. He becomes the Sergeant of Sanity. And he becomes a more main event potentially worthy Heath Slater. That's kind of the basis of that because I really like the dynamic of a former sort of radical character doing anything to provide for his family. Finding himself in another chaotic group only to be betrayed by that group. Because Heath hasn't really ever been betrayed in a group. He's always just kind of willingly left. That's what happened with Nexus. That's what's happened with the core. And he never really got comeuppets that you usually see in a WWE faction, which is quite rare. So I think that could work. So that's kind of my basic idea for that. So I'm going to move on to my next pick, which I should tell you right now, it's going to bring... A lot more lone wolves to the table. Who do you think you are? You've gone much too far. Baron Corbin. That's right. We're not talking about King Corbin here. We're talking about that weird... Oddly sophisticated, waistcoated man that was once Baron Corbin when he was the Raw General Manager. So we're, we're, we're skipping a little bit of time here in this idea. Where, if you remember, Baron Corbin was the General Manager of Raw. And I know what you're thinking. Baron Corbin is the general manager of Raw. Why on earth are we visiting this? Who wants to see Baron Corbin as the general manager of Raw in an idea with Heath Slater? God, why are we doing this? So, this is purely because, I'm going to say this, I'm not a huge fan of Baron Corbin, but I do think there was a missed opportunity with him and... Heath Slater being forced to be a referee on Raw. Like, specifically with the heel character of Baron Corbin, I think you could have got so much more heat 
if he specifically got title shots because he had a biased referee. If you think back to like stuff like a couple years prior with Eva Marie, when it was feeling like she was like forcibly using a referee to get her way, I want that for Baron Corbin. Do I think Baron Corbin's a good wrestler? To some extent, yes, he can put on some damn good matches. But I also think he's probably one of the best heels in the business right now. Because he's always been disliked for some reason. And no one could quite put it away. Like, it's like the old version of The Miz. But a much taller lone wolf shtick thing. I, I don't know why, but yes. So I kind of want this to be Heath Slater still keep the little bit of story that he was forced to be a gen... Forced to be a referee. And just have him forcibly... Just count victories for Baron Corbin. I'm talking the classic fast count. I'm talking about not always giving proper covers to wrestlers who are facing Baron Corbin. And just, even against all the baby faces who are telling him to stand up for himself. And he's saying, I can't do it. I've got kids. I need this job. So he has to constantly ha be part of this, like, corporate line. You, you change his look a little bit more. You make him look like a mini Baron Corbin by shaving his head. You have him wear a full-on suit. Just with anything that Baron Corbin does, he is the stooge to Baron Corbin that he will beat up in frustration if he does not get his way. And of course, at this time, I believe if I'm remembering this correctly, he started his whole mid-card vortex with Drew McIntyre. Who, if you want to start teasing a babyface turn for him kind of early, which I think would have been great, you could go back to their old 3MB days, which has kind of been a weird running trend with WWE all of a sudden with them as a group. Where he's like telling you, you're, you're better than this, man. Come on. I, I know we were low as a rock band, but I know you are so much better than this, Heath. And then he always just constantly goes back to like, I've got kids. I know you've got kids. But... Your kids will understand that you need to do things on your own to be happy. You need to be happy, Heath. And you know, maybe you get a cheeky chant of happy Heath. I don't know. Like, that, that's got a nice little ring to it. Who, who the heck knows? And so it all culminates in Baron Corbin getting an intercontinental title shot like we had on Raw, I believe, against Seth Rollins. Who was, I believe, the intercontinental champion at the time. Because it was only when he won the Royal Rumble in 2019 that he got the Universal title run. So we built to that. And that's where Baron Corbin has his whole, like, I'm sick and tired of you. What are you doing? Shunt, shunt, shunt. You know, the classic, like, referee push. What are you doing? And you just see Heath just... He starts thinking to himself, I really want to slap this guy in the face. Like... You know, he's just shouting in the ring. Maybe you want to get a little bit of Mike in the ring there. Do you want to do this for your kids? Do you value your kids? Or are you just going to disrespect me? Do you think you could do anything about it, huh? I own you, Heath. And then Heath just stops counting for Baron Corbin. And he does a fast count for Rollins. And he retains. And then Heath Slater cuts a brief little promo saying that to Baron Corbin... You know, I was afraid of being a free agent, but I've done it once, and I can do it again. Drops the mic, he leaves, he takes off his referee shirt and walks out. I think that would kind of be pretty badass for Heath. You might get a good, like, Heath Slater chant in there. 
And you kind of repeat some of the free agent stuff that we've had in his 2016 days. You know, he's on SmackDown for a bit. Maybe you want to see him pop up in NXT. And also, he comes to Raw, invades, and beats the living S-word at Baron Corbin non-stop. Or at least when he gets a chance to. So when we eventually build to a pay-per-view match between Baron Corbin and Heath Slater, where if Heath Slater wins, he gets his job back. I I love this idea for so many reasons. One, Heath Slater is presented like a goddamn badass doing everything for his kids, which has been the common thread throughout all of these ideas. Secondly, it's against one of the most despised heels at that time, who quite frankly, never got his comeuppets with Heath Slater in the first place, or just being a bad general manager, he was kind of just shoved out of it for no apparent reason other than, we're now the general managers, we're now the authority, which, as just a form of dialogue, doesn't really make sense. Like, as a worldwide business company, how, how does that make sense? <laughs> like, you have to have some sense as a company to not follow that idea. But, you know, things. And then we build to this match where it's Heath Slater fighting for his life. Maybe you get Drew McIntyre to turn face and help out Heath Slater in the mu- in the middle of it. Where Heath is struggling. If you still want to keep him weak to make Baron Corbin look like a absolute monster. Completely, that's fine. Maybe you also have it where he's trying to force... Drew McIntyre to hit him with a claymore and it just he just turns around he headbutts him and he goes for the claymore and you build a Drew McIntyre Baron Corbin program where Drew wins decisively and he gets his job back there's there's a lot of fun threads here where you can you know show Heath Slater's humanity I like that it's a very short idea I'll admit it that's because we're getting on to our final idea of this episode, which I should tell you now is going to be one between the one-man band and a man-beast. It is him, Rhino. Hunter of elk, lover of women, sovereign of the moon. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of any, like, song for this, because I've kind of done that for the whole thing. So anyways, it's Rhino, people. Yes, it is the breakup that's already happened, where Rhino lost his job in a match against Heath Slater, loser gets fired, it's already happened. That is the end goal of this idea, but we're making it a proper feud, and we're making it on SmackDown Live, because... I think they broke up way too late. Way too late. So I want to rectify that. First of all, this starts to happen, which they kind of started to do on SmackDown when they first lost the tag titles, after they lost the tag titles. You can build it on a battle royal, which already happened in real life, and you build it from there. You get some segments where they're at Heath Slater's trailer park. And they're just talking over with their cheese and crackers. And Heath Slater is just asking, I don't know what we're doing wrong. I I don't know why we're not winning. Why aren't we winning? We are, we're better than them, aren't we? And Rhino 
he he doesn't say anything other than just no and he walks off he's still completely confused they have another set of tag matches i'm thinking against the usos i'm thinking non-title and they they lose again and he he's completely distraught because he's now having a realization that now he's not being able to provide for his kids He's, he's struggling once again to provide for them because he's realizing to himself after just like going through bits of tape that he purchased, like he's got an old VHS tape that he's just watching Smackdown on, just some goofy stuff, that he never won a match on his own. It was always with Rhino, something that we've talked about before. And he wants to prove himself. He... He wants to prove that he can win a match. So we start having more of these tag matches where he's tagging himself in. You know, the classic tag yourself in, something bad happens. Where Rhino is going for the gore, he hits it, and Heath goes for the cover, but it's just enough time for them to kick out of the gore. And Rhino's like, what are you doing, man? You're we had that one. And then Heath in a crisis, you know, keeps trying, and then they eventually lose. And you build this organic match where they need to settle their differences so they can become a tag team again. So they have a singles match on SmackDown. Heath Slater versus Rhino, where very much like how Rhino got his contract initially on SmackDown, he just gores Heath Slater in a couple seconds. What does this do? First of all, kind of repeats a lot of the old habits of Heath Slater, where... You know, when success finally comes to him, he eventually sort of falters kind of near the last minute. It's kind of been a common friend with Heath. He wins a big victory, then all of a sudden he's just frosted all the way back down to the bottom. It's like a very weird zigzag curve with Heath. He has a couple very nice notable moments. Some, I'd argue, more than a lot of the WWE mid-card gets. But he doesn't really follow up on it. So we spend a couple weeks where Rhino's having these singles matches, and you know what? He's picking up wins. And Heath, he's just in this depressed state, where he's at the trailer park, and he's wondering, what, what am I doing wrong? This always freaking happens with me. And then Rhino, he's really trying to get Heath... He's trying to get him out of this rut and show to him that he could be whatever he wants to be. And we go back to... The very first interaction that they had, which was during a Heath Slater promo with Shane McMahon, where he was saying that he was the brains behind the Nexus, the brains behind the core, the brains behind Freeman Band, Slater Gator, all these other things, stuff that people would never think would eventually get onto TV, but Heath Slater did. And that's what Rhino wants to prove to him. So their next match they're going to have together, because Rhino's going to pitch for this, by Shane McMahon, it's going to be a career versus career match where he wants Heath to be the best Heath Slater that he can be. And he's going to put his career up on the line just so he can prove that Heath Slater is better than what anyone else thinks he is. Because he, he can see it in Heath. He wouldn't just team up with him for no reason. Because one of the main qualities of him getting hired on SmackDown was his resilience. The guy went face to face with Brock Lesnar. And yeah it was presented as a joke. But he went face to face with Brock Lesnar. 
that's that's not a mid card or lower card treatment that you usually get. That's usually something where the company trusts you enough to do it. And in addition to this, Heath Slater had matches with Randy Flipping Orton to lose the tag titles. Not not freaking I I don't know Deuce and Domino. Freaking Randy Flipping Orton. A former over 10-time world heavyweight champion at that point. That, that is no shame to lose to. So, we build to this match. It is Heath Slater just having the most babyface sort of run that he can have. Just trying to fight for his life against a guy who has been described as a man-beast, mind you. Former ECW world heavyweight champion. And we build to Heath Slater getting the win and building this newfound confidence where we end on this promo of Rhino saying to Heath that you've always been better than me, Heath, in this sort of tag team. Because whilst I've passed my prime, I know you haven't. I know you haven't had the best round of luck. But I know that you could do anything because unlike a lot of the WWE superstars, you have a quality that many of them don't have. You make centimeters into miles and you, unlike anyone else on this roster, survive. Because that is the most endearing thing about Heath Slater. He has survived. There are a lot of cases where he should have been fired or let go because he was not a high-profile guy, but he kept alive. And when you look back at 2016, who was the only Nexus member who was still technically a full-time wrestler on the WWE roster? Not, I mind you, a general manager or a commentator. It was Heath Slater. Heath Slater did that. Nobody else. And I think what you get out of this idea is that you finally give Heath the credit that he deserves after jobbing to Doink, Sid, APA, Lita, so many legends on the way to sort of building himself up as an organic babyface. You finally have him get put over by a legend. And then where do you go from there? Who knows? But I wish I saw it. So that is the final pitch that I'm going to go with for that. And we're going to end on the same thing that we always end on wrestlers in these particular scenarios. It is a good old and classic game of Fantasy Fumble. Fantasy Fumble, for those of you who are new to this podcast, is... Pretty much my random idea that doesn't really make any sense that I just add in at the end. It's always improvised. It's always insane. And it's it's the weirdest segment on this podcast. And I, and I'm, I really mean that. So without further ado, I believe it's time that we get straight into this. So Fantasy Fumble will begin in three, two, one, fumble. Let the dumpster fire begin! Right, so, uh, 
I'm gonna tell you right now, this is the random idea where Heath Slater wins the WWE Championship. I'm not crazy, you're crazy. He's a one-man band. So, we're gonna start off with Tolkien Smack. It is basically him after having a successful victory, I don't know, via shenanigans, with his wife and kids. They're with him on Talking Smack as he's talking to Daniel Bryan and the lovely Renee Young. And as that is happening, guess what happens? AJ Styles is wondering why this guy is here. Why is Heath Slater here, the man with kids? Get out of here. They don't believe in a flat earth. Let them go away. And Heath says, well, I'm pretty sure they do believe in a flat earth. Only if I knock you down to that flat earth. And yes, that is where the feud begins. It's the battle of the flat earth for AJ Styles versus Heath Slater, the lovable family man who believes that if it is indeed a flat earth, he should be able to drive everywhere because the earth is flat. So we begin with this match. It's Heath Slater versus freaking AJ Styles. It's a battle back and forth. Heath gets utterly beaten up. But guess what? Dean Ambrose is still in the feud with AJ at this point. So he hits the dirty deeds and throws Heath into the cover. One, two, three. Heath Slater has a pin over the WWE Champion. So it continues on. Heath Slater now riding on a high. He has the biggest paycheck of his life. He can now move from his regular old trailer park to a double wide to an actual apartment with kids. He got his apartment for his kids. And then he realizes that AJ's coming back and he wants some of that money back because he didn't win legitimately. He didn't win fair. He won by cheating from that dastardly dirty deed of Dean Daddy Dad, Dad Ambrose. So he is ready for a match with Heath Slater again. And it goes back and forth. Heath now getting a little bit more offense in because now he's had a little bit more experience with AJ Styles. They had a brief little program as the social outcast. Heath has been waiting for this moment. So it builds more and more where Dean Ambrose comes in again, except he doesn't hit Heath Slater or AJ Styles, he distracts AJ. So Heath gets another roll up. Heath wins again. So then it's decided the next big pay-per-view, the Royal Rumble, it is AJ Styles versus Heath Slater for the WWE Championship. That's right. He's doing it for everyone. He's doing it for Dean. He's doing it for his dad. He's doing it for his mom. Heath is doing it for his kids because he needs this job. And his next job, his next promotion will be the WWE Championship. And so we build to this eventual view. We get Heath versus some of the top contenders on SmackDown. Dolph Ziggler, The Miz, and he has to face Rhino once again. So we get to this, we build to the final part of the feud, it is Heath Slater versus AJ Styles at the Royal Rumble. No interference, Dean Ambrose is banned from ringside. Heath Slater's kids who wanted to go see the Royal Rumble have been banned from ringside. <laughs> and including his wife, Beulah, has been banned from ringside. And of course, Heath tried to get a thing in his contract to ban the flat earth, but you can't really ban the earth, so it didn't quite work. So, it's the Battle of Rednecks, AJ Styles, Heath Slater, the Battle of the Georgia Boy, and the Battle of... I don't know where Heath is from, but I'm assuming it's a southern place. So then, they go back and forth, both of them country rednecks, fighting, going against the grain. And of course, shenanigans happens. Heath accidentally hits the referee, gets a couple close calls in, but it doesn't quite work. 
And so we build to this final bit. AJ Styles going for the Styles Clash. Heath countering it, going for a roll. It doesn't work, but the referee is still down. So what happens? Dean Ambrose enters the ring and it and AJ blocks it out the way. He chucks Dean into the announce table. He knows he can beat Heath. This shouldn't be going on for so long. It's a match with Heath. Nobody should go this long for Heath for the WWE Championship. But then out of nowhere, under no circumstance, no correlation, the Nexus arrives. <laughs> That's right, Daniel Bryan in his Nexus t-shirt looks over to AJ with his arm raised up, the arm band on, along with David Otunga on commentary. Distracting AJ Styles, the referee begins to recover, Heath Slater hits whatever his finishing move is, I don't know what it is, and he goes for the cover, one, two, Free. Heath Slater is your WWE Champion! And now, we could say that the One Man Band was not just the mind of the Nexus, the core of the, the core of the core, and more importantly, the most successful ongoing member of the Nexus! And all, all known, all powerful, and all-knowing, Heath Slater becomes the one-man band of not just a band, but of the entire WWE Universe. Oh my god! Heath! Where the fuck did that go? Where, where did that all go? I, I don't understand! Oh, he he did it, people. He did it. He won. The most successful member of the Nexus people, Heath Slater, put some respect on his name. So that's kind of the end of this. I I hope I did my job that I said in the opening promo. Did I did I put some respect on Heath Slater's name? Let me know on Twitter at Connor the Cooper or let me know on Instagram at Wrestling With Fiction. They'll they'll be in the description of this podcast. So, I I think I'm just gonna leave it there. This has easily been one of the most fun episodes I've done in a long time, and I think it's probably been one of my most cohesive storyline ideas. I I think it is. It I hope so. <laughs> I hope I'm getting better at this. We we've done thirty episodes. <laughs> I should be getting better at this. What what a miracle! <laughs> so, with that out of the way, I, I hope all of you have an absolutely wonderful day. And remember everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night everybody!